Today I want to speak to you about origins, or let's call it narratives, the narrative stories of our origins. And there are many in scripture. Uh, we could talk about, for example, the origins of the human person, and that would be talking about the creation stories. Nothing more beautiful than Adam and Eve, uh, but we have four different creation accounts. I could speak to you about that, but that's not what the gospel is about today. Today, the gospel is about the origin of what is properly Christian, or the Christian grace, the birth of Christian grace in the human heart. And it's important to be very attentive to this passage of scripture, because it shows us volumes of who we are and what we are called to be. So I want to bring home four points about it. First of all, Mary doesn't seem to have here an origin or if she does, it's somewhat nondescript. She's really representing the poor, the anawim, the forgotten, the remnant that remains, the faithful that remain in Israel. Second point is the aspect about rejoice so highly favored, the fact that we, or she and we, are loved even before we were made. Now God has always loved us. Third, her question, how can this be, for I am a virgin? Fourth, her response, I am the handmaid of the Lord, let it be done unto me according to thy word. Now, of those four points, they give us a structure of a narrative. First of all, Mary is, in this passage, not of the priestly class, it doesn't even mention that she's of the royal class, the Davidic line. It mentions that Joseph is. She's in a time where Israel is has lost its power, has lost its place in, in the world. She is in a place where uh, nothing good can come from. It's called Nazareth. She's not in the temple. She's in a home in a city or a town that isn't very important, has no real significance. And so the scripture would say, what good can come from Nazareth, right? And moving forward, um, she's speaking to us here about the fact that <laughs> the Lord is going to look at something new here. He's going to take the poor the one who is waiting, who, the one who doesn't have. He's going to take the poor and he's going to lead this poor one into his grace. And she doesn't, again, have that role of being the priest or the king kind of thing. She is in a forgotten place. And it's still true today that Christian grace finds its home in the heart of the poor. Note here that we're not talking about um, the poor of desperation. She wasn't desperate, but she rather was the poor of the one who has lost her place and doesn't have a place. And that's a very nice thought. It's similar to what we'll find on the birth of Jesus, where she has no home. And so she stays in the cave and she lays her child in a manger similar to that. Now, the Lord comes to us 
in our poverty. Second point. Rejoice, so highly favored. He may come to us in Nazareth, but he also comes to us having favored, having loved us from the beginning, having loved us from all time. Rejoice, so highly favored one. The Lord is with you. As the Lord loved us even before we knew him. And so Christian grace begins with the poor who are loved, loved by God. The third point, how can this be, she responds. She doesn't just remain passive, receiving the message of an angel. She is in awe of the angel. She is uh, taken up by his majesty, his greatness. The angel says to her, do not be afraid, for you shall conceive. She responds actively, though. She doesn't respond by doubting. But she responds by questioning, saying, how can this be for I am a virgin? With her heart completely open, she wants to understand. Very often I find that we as Catholics sit passively in the pews and we don't actively pursue to deepen. And so to be a Christian demands that we actively pursue, that we seek. We can only find if we look. We cannot have the door open to us unless we knock. So the first moment of Christianity, Mary seeks and the angel responds. She gets the response from God. It wasn't an explanation in the sense that, you know, she understood everything. She doesn't understand, but she understands that she needs a trust. And so she says those words, let it be done unto me according to thy word. And in saying that, she shows us that she trusts entirely in the Lord and she makes that act of faith where she lays her life into his hands. And in doing that, she allows for grace to be born first in her heart. She literally says, I believe. I I want it to be done according to your word. Let it happen to me according to your word. And the moment she believes, grace is born in her. Christ is conceived in her. She becomes the tabernacle. She becomes the ark. And she only becomes ark. She only becomes the dwelling place of God, which is our call as Christians. It's what we're called to be, the dwelling place of God. She only becomes that, though, after she trusts entirely in God. And she lays her hands and her life into his hands. Let it be done unto me according to thy will. So we see those four points. That God comes to us in our poverty. That he's loved us before we were made. That in our amazement we are called to not be afraid. And we're called to proactively engage and question and wonder. And lastly, it's in that act of faith that God is born in our heart. And then bears fruit in the flesh. And so let us ask that Mary might guide us and prepare us, and that this narrative might present to us the structure to which we are called to live of Christ and allow him to be born in our hearts. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.